Rotations is all about allowing interesting people the opportunity to share their opinions and ideas. Some listeners may find the ideas and content expressed disturbing or objectionable. Indian food is the best. I'm sure these people also like Indian food. Kevin loves Indian food. Kevin was just at our house the other day. I uh, I just stuff my face with his mom's food. It's so good. Every time. Every time <laughs> oh, I go to his house. Well, I had to drive two and a half hours to get it, which is That's worth true. it. But. That, kind of does, that is kind of a downside. <laughs> I am Dr. Todd Fredericks, Assistant Professor of Family Medicine at the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. And today we have another specialty spotlight, which I think you'll find uh, enjoyable. And I'll give Nasarg... The, 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 the mic, so to speak. Go, go. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, this is another episode of Rotations. Um, we'll be talking to Dr. Soam Thenden, who is a plastic surgeon uh, out in Cincinnati, joining us via uh, FaceTime. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Tendon. Thank you for giving me a chance to, to be part of it. It's a pleasure. Of course. Uh, we're also joined by a couple of my classmates. Um, Kevin, who's, who's been on here before, who is my roommate, and I, I wrangle him into coming on these episodes all the time. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> he has the misfortune of living with me. Uh, so, Dr. Tendon, let's, um, let's kick things off here. Can you tell us about your background? So my background is that I did my medical school in India, a city called Lucknow, King George's Medical College. And uh, after finishing medical school in India, medical school is five years versus the medical school here is four years. Um, so we do five years of medical school and then you go for training, which I, in, in a specialty like surgery I did. And after surgery, you decide the super specialty, which is like plastic surgery, which I did, did in Lucknow, uh, King George's Medical College. And I was one of the first uh, plastic surgeons to come out from the university because they, were, they just started the plastic surgery program at that time. And then I left for England. And I spent five years in England doing plastic surgery training at, at the University of London, University of Dublin, and University of Edinburgh. So five years rotating into different universities. And then I migrated to United States in 1974 and went to St. Louis, Missouri, St. John's Mercy Medical Center, where I did my burn training for one year fellowship. Uh, that was all taking care of burns 24 hours a day for one year, which was quite a quite an interesting experience for me because I was the main doctor uh, as a chief resident taking care of all the patients, everything, you know, from start to finish, everything, dressings, managements, surgeries, everything, uh, doing it. So I spent a year and then I came to Cincinnati, Ohio, where I did my formal training in plastic surgery at Christ Hospital. That's awesome. That's quite uh, a training process that you went through. Um, yes. What what got you initially interested in plastic surgery? You know, I when I was doing surgery, uh, first of all, you have to be interested in that you like cutting and stitching and that kind of thing. You have to have that pers- uh, temperament and personality. When I joined surgery, I noted that my inclination was more towards the artwork where I can apply my artistic fine skills 
so i you know there were various specialties general surgery orthopedic ophthalmic uh, in brain you know neurosurgery cardiac surgery i thought nowhere i can apply my art skills as well as plastic surgery where i can really use my artistic you know managing skills because i like to draw i like to paint and the plastic surgery whenever plastic surgeon starts a procedure he uses a pen first that's his first tool he draws so i draw exactly what i am going to do before i hold a scalpel in my hand oh, that, that's really interesting <laughs> uh, so after you decided on plastic surgery then you went um and then you got your burn fellowship and and onwards from there so what led you through that path well burn surgery was actually when i left india my professor uh, asked me in india that you go to england and do burn training and then come back to india and start a burn center in india in lucknow so i went back and you know, i went to edinburgh university where they had the formal training of burn they have burn unit so i spent 3 years there and learned you know primary care burns you know starting from clinical management to operating operating and everything and uh, when i finished my training i still was not able to to get a position in india to start that burn center because of some some kind of difficulties in the in the system so mm-hmm. then i decided to 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 move on and move on to states so i So yeah. Dr. Tenen were you part of that there was there was in the 70s there was a large influx of Indian physicians to the United States were you part of that big movement I remember I think it was shortage driven but as I recall I worked I used to work for the VA and I knew a lot of Indian doctors working at the VA and a lot of them came during this 1970s period where they were very short of physicians were you part of that was there a recruiting it, effort that it, drew you or Yeah it was actually tapering at that tapering down at that time I see 74 uh, and my assignment was just all just by luck or whatever you say you know I met the plastic surgeon from Cincinnati Ohio hmm. in London in London in one of the meetings <laughs> a plastic surgery meeting was held in London and he was just having a cup of tea just like you are having right now enjoying coffee it's coffee we i'm not indian i'm an american so i drink okay. coffee dr tenner <laughs> and i was just walking by and i just smiled and said hello to him and he said well come on sit down with me i said so i sat down and i knew who he was he was world famous dr longacre he was hmm. he was very well known in the world you know so i said i i know you i everybody knows you he said come and sit with me so i sat down and he said come and have a tea with me so i started having tea with him and then he started talking to me what are you doing here in england and what are you doing and i said well i'm doing my training in edinburgh and he said well why come to cincinnati <laughs> i said is how can i come to cincinnati he said come I'll, i'll take you i'll take you i like you so i said oh, well <laughs> so let's see so i said how can i come you know then i found out i have to pass the exam that's called ECFMG before i can even apply for residency or can go to cincinnati so so i went to dublin took the exam next next you know few months later 
and cleared that, then I came. It, it sounds like a, like a lot of serendipity. I, yes. I tell the medical students how important it is to network. Everything is networking, and, and that's it's just part of your story, too, is just being in the right place, right time, meeting people. That's exactly. interesting story. And that's what happened, exactly. That's awesome. So, yeah. Dr. Tendon, tell us a little bit about um, your day-to-day practice. What are some of the common procedures that you do? You know, we do a lot of... Uh, 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 actually, we do practically everything... You know, I used to do everything from from head to bottom, like doing cleft lip, palate, uh, surgeries, facial uh, reconstructions, uh, fractures of face, and, uh, you know, cosmetic surgery involving facelift, eyelid surgery, uh, nose surgery, ear surgery, all those things. And, and then, you know, and then besides that, of course, I did a lot of reconstructive work, you know, so... So you, you, you name any part of the body, we were doing procedures everywhere. Yeah. Hand, arm, chest, belly, legs, you know, I mean, every part of the body. But uh, after, uh, you know, finishing my private practice, I moved to VA where I joined plastic surgery and ENT groups. So now I just do head and neck area only. So basically do face, anything face, mainly, you know, a lot of skin cancer surgery, you know, pe- people have tumors, different types of tumors, mm-hmm. uh, other deformities that I can, you know, that we need to fix them. So any kind, anything that need to be done on head and neck, I do it, you know, for them. So those commonest procedures, I would say, still are the facial Cancers and tumors and uh, uh, and and uh, any other you know things that they develop you know uh, uh, while they are away from U.S. you know sometimes they come with uh, some different conditions that are not that common here but we take care of them you know uh, any of those scar conditions and things like that. Sure. And, and as a plastic surgeon, then how many hours do you typically spend in the OR every day or every week? You know, it it, 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 it used to be about, I would say about 20 to 25 hours a week, you know, was that was the customary thing for us. But then emergencies took extra time and emergencies were unpredictable. Sometimes it can be almost every day, two, three, two hours, three hours, sometime all night, sometime you know, no emergencies there. So, you know, uh, we did more clinical work uh, uh, hours than otherwise, you know. A little bit of research work, little bit of paper writing and and teaching. Mm -hmm. Now I do more, uh, I do teaching too, Mm -hmm. to residents, plastic surgery residents or ENT residents. Sure. And then as a teacher, you know, a lot of the focus for this podcast is for medical students, you know. Yes. So let's say that someone was starting their program uh, with you as their teacher tomorrow. You know, what, yes. what's some advice that you would give to help that person stand out? Uh, uh, to uh, starting to join, join and I mean, starting as a medical student? Yeah, either as a med student rotating or starting the residency or yeah. whatever stage. So these medical student, you know, I think... Now I will say to everybody, this field of medicine, you should take only if you really love 
this work do not just take it thinking of making money or going for money that is one thing you should just completely eliminate from your mind just join a field that you or you love the work you want to do this work you are passionate about your work and then you're going to do well and you're going to excel but if you are thinking about money making and all that will not be a right right place mm-hmm. for you sure and what about in the clinic then what are some things that uh, students can do when they're working with you um, whether they're uh, you know rotating with you as you're doing a procedure or working with you in the OR so so in clinic first of all you know we teach them the the uh, how you should approach patient how you should take care you know talk to patient you know that is extremely essential people are already scared to come to a doctor and when they go to doctor they are already apprehensive excited anxious you should make them feel comfortable mm-hmm. and be very caring and comforting to them so take sit down with patient take the history find out what exactly is bothering them what's going on what what they are looking for what they are coming to see you and how you can help them and that that is what you need to focus on mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a student that you should be caring you should be caring and you should be and comforting to them mm-hmm. not just uh, you know just taking the uh, their their uh, you know just just taking the history and doing the job and getting out uh, without rushing mm-hmm. so sit down sure have patience pay attention what they are saying what they want what they are looking for and try to help sure um since you know you've you've been in the field for a long time uh what sorts of developments have you seen over the last you know however many years you've been working um just in terms of technolo- technological advancements in the OR or anything else that helps with you with your procedures what sorts of things have you noticed the the technology advancements have been phenomenal which have aided the procedures tremendously makes uh, procedures very efficient uh, time and also you know we we save time uh, and also uh, you know is post operative comforts that these patients get are remarkable just for example using just a small incision doing a laparoscopic procedure or uh, doing a um, you know a, a, a robotic surgery you know the post operative comforts and improvements are phenomenal and patients can go home early patient can go home next day same day same day or next day or third day, much faster than ever have been before and we can wash them very closely with the technological advances sitting there or remotely as well dr tenen can you think from the time when you started doing plastic surgery of a common procedure that's changed dramatically and con- compare and contrast that with today a uh, procedure that you're familiar with that you did 30 years ago and how that's changed for today yeah you know the the there is not a a, a whole lot technological uh, changes 
in terms of you know how say for example how we do cleft lip mm-hmm. it has been pretty much similar over the years for the last 30 years you know we know different techniques and we can do that but it's just the improvement and the technological improvement in anesthesia and care post op care has mm. remarkably improved the outcome of these uh, patients uh, post operatively but uh, technologically things have been uh, advanced i mean it's all first of all the plastic surgery is a lot more technical and it's individual hmm so you you know uh, there are very few instruments you know i mean we don't need lot of instruments in that way to do procedures you know beside the basic instrument that we need which is mostly that how you approach how what the technology changes in the procedures some of the drawbacks of some of the procedures that were in the past that are that you have technologically improved them but basically techniques you know a lot of things have still remained the same even in even in medicine for example i mean look at the today uh, uh, high blood pressure treatment is still high blood pressure you know i mean there's no i mean you have a high pressure you are on medicine all all your life you have diabetes you are on medicine you know insulin for forever but the 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 delivering of those medicine is changed is a little bit has improved the life of these people made made them more comfortable hmm And what sorts of trends nowadays are you seeing that you think could help even further change plastic surgery uh down the road in the future? Uh for the changes I think you know the the trend has been you know that the, the 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 quality that we have residents today is remarkable. They are awesome. I mean the the, the work that they do the the presentations they they do the search they can do today is just unbelievable Now, that was not possible when i was resident i used to go to library to write a paper i have to pull out this journal that journal this thing that thing now these things can be done so quickly and so fast and these are all available mm-hmm. but at that time it was not i had to really spend hours and hours <laughs> in library to figure out you know all the references and different various differences in the technique and all those but now things are better and the residents have really just residents have really come out i mean the quality is just outstanding outstanding residents these days yeah, it's a lot easier when you have wikipedia <laughs> yeah dr tendon will remember uh, index medicus which yes. uh we we yes. we started with and you guys have yes. no idea how cumbersome it is to find stuff <laughs> when yes. you have to go to a book in a library to find out where that article is then request the article and now exactly. you just go on a computer and just go I want this article and you put it into Iliad and some yeah. guy searches it and a day later there's the, there it is in your mailbox yeah. I mean, it's just crazy that's this unbelievable this is <laughs> this has been a remarkable change over the years you know i wrote i remember writing papers was not that easy it was horrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was horrible yeah. dr tennis it was very hard yeah. you know, i wrote papers i know it was, it was real tough as compared to now you know it's much much better so chad and kevin you guys have been uh sitting in on the interview do you guys have any questions or comments i know actually chad is going to a shadow plastic surgeon tomorrow morning so good luck chad <laughs> <laughs> oh is that right 
Yes, I am. Yeah, tomorrow morning I have a, a clinical experience with a plastic surgeon um, down in Gallup Police. Um, I do have one question for you, Dr. Tennant. Um, okay. With all of your knowledge now today, um, what would you wish you had known when you were a student starting out um, with what you know now? That's a great question. Yeah, that's a very good question, you know. The, you know, the, the <clears throat> I wish, I wish that <clears throat> all the, the, um, the remarkable care that these patients receive from other ancillary staff that we don't really pay attention to as much, you know, in, in other terms like nursing staff, the other staff that care for these people right from the beginning to the end when they, you know, they come to hospital, stay and go out, <clears throat> how that care is provided is just remarkable. That outstanding care, you know, right from how they receive. So, <clears throat> so, so I, uh, so I, I, I just, I just cannot imagine those things. Those were not, not available. I, I spent five, you know, five years in England. Even I didn't see that over, you know, do that kind of experience, you know. So this has been a remarkable experience to see how things have changed, how people have become more, you know, coordinated in this total health care of the person. We actually, we lost part of your answer there, Dr. Tendon. I think we had some connection issue. Yeah. Yeah. So can you, can you repeat like the last, I think we only lost like the last couple of sentences. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying that, you know, the, in, in the beginning, you know, we didn't have this kind of organized other ancillary care that we had it, uh, you know, that we had today, especially in terms of the nursing care, the people who and the other staff that helps uh, patients when they come in initially. It has been remarkable. I mean, they they so well coordinated, so well focused towards the improvement of the total patient's care that the patients feel comfortable that they feel everywhere that they are well taken care. And everybody is trying to do their best, to put in their best, to make patients feel comfortable, make them that, you know, they are, they are important. We, we, are, we care for them. And I think that is extremely, extremely important. And I remember Hippocrates' teachings. And Hippocrates said, remember two things as a doctor. One is, to help. Number two, do no harm. Mm -hmm. So never ever think of, you know, always think of helping a patient. No harm in any way, in any form. Whether they can pay or they cannot pay or they financially or whatever. But those two things always keep in mind. Kevin, do you have yeah. any questions? Um, I was also uh, just going to ask, um, which is kind of really a little bit to that. Um, yeah. From your medical education from India and your training in England, I'm guessing that you have a lot of, like, I want to say, like, outside view looking into the American healthcare system. And I wanted to see, like, if you have any opinions on, like, what, like, suggestions of what you see in the American healthcare system yeah. and what you think might make it better or, like, what is wrong with the current system. Yes. Yes, I think, you know, <clears throat> there, is, there is definitely a difference in teaching and methods. And I think 
there are pros and cons on both sides, of course. And uh, the like, for instance, that we in India were more focused on clinical uh, aspects of education. So, like, if you're a medical student, you are going into first two years <clears throat> were devoted for learning the anatomy and physiology of the body and biochemistry of the body. So those two years were totally devoted for anatomy, so which we don't do it here as much. We do it only a few months of all these things. So as a result of that, our understanding of body parts and details was outstanding in that aspect because I could really relate very uh, easily. Uh, and, and But over here, on the other hand, the other aspects were paid more importance, you know, of how to approach patient, how to deliver your, you know, uh, uh, like a total care that was, you know, not as, as, as uh, detailed in India as over here. And uh, I, 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 but basically, you know, we had a lot of clinical training. Like in, for example, when I'm in, I was in third year medical school, I was told to put your hand on pulse of the patients and feel pulse. A lot of things, you know, if you learn this, uh, this knowledge, you can diagnose. You look at the conjunctiva of the patient, look at the tongue of the patient, and they can tell you a lot of information. Uh, those kind of things lack here. They immediately jump on that testing procedures. You know, order this test, order this test, and then I can tell you what it is. So we try to do these things with, before we order any x-rays or other detailed studies and all that. We try to first think and figure out what could it be. I don't think that's entirely uncommon. You go anywhere outside the United States or outside, not that India isn't the developed world. India is obviously a, I wouldn't say westernized country, but it's western in the sense of technology and certainly western in terms of its influence and models and stuff, even though it's in the east. But uh, you go most places where they don't have just unlimited or seemingly un uh, unlimited budgets they can borrow, you know, future debt against to order this stuff. And you find very astute doctors. One of my favorite Actually, too, since Dr. Tennant's here, um, I worked w closely with a, an Indian physician who'd been here for 30 years in the VA over in, where I, in the hospital I worked at. Um, and he was an excellent physical diagnostician. And he could see things and subtleties that I didn't necessarily appreciate. And one of the greatest mentors I ever had was a radiologist in uh, Richmond Heights uh, 25 years ago. He's probably retired now, but he was from Ghana. And he told me one, and people would call him in the hospital as a radiologist and say, what do you think of this patient? The medicine people would. Because he said that his training, he had a microscope, he could do you know, CBCs, he could do peripheral smears, he could do some basic chemistry, but he became very, very good at physical diagnosis diagnosis and really looking at patients. And we have a tendency to supplant that for a variety of reasons with technocracy. You know, if you're seeing 30 patients a day or 35 patients a day, it's much easier just to order a lab test and have them do all the work and then look at it versus spend the extra time it takes to really look at the patient, listen to them. And that's a huge problem in the country today. Yes. We don't have enough time to really devote to that and learning those skills. I don't know, Dr. Tennant, but you agree? I mean, yes, absolutely right. You are absolutely right. 
and I, you know, I tell, I tell some of some sometimes, and I give lectures here at the at the hospital that majority of illnesses today are lifestyle disorders. Oh my goodness, that's absolute. That's so true. Please and, go. Please continue. You're singing my. You're just preaching to me the choir right now. This I, is perfect. I, I tell you that that I tell you one thing. If you are born healthy. Disease happens only when one of the three things are altered. Number one is food. Number two is water. Number three is air, oxygen. If any of these three things are altered, disease happens. Otherwise, you are born healthy. You should stay healthy. And I tell you one thing that uh, the Hippocrates said that if we could find what body needs, not too little, not too much, we would have found the right formula of healthy living. Yeah, that, that that is so true, Doctor Ten. And I, I have medical students that apply and come in, and I interview them, and they, I, I never ask them why they want to be doctors. They say they want to help people, and my response immediately is, well, if you really want to help people, go become a civil engineer and devote your life to developing clean water sources in the third world. You'll save millions. Um, just because people in this country don't appreciate how hard it is for the bulk of the world to just find clean water supplies, um, and it's true. Most people, the, the nominal state of people is health. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called health, right? I mean, most people are healthy, and, and but if they're given, the body's given the right things that Dr. Tennant talks about, it's so true. So it really requires a reexamination of our foundations in terms of how we approach patients. And that goes right to what Dr. Tennant's talking about, about the social evaluation of a patient. What is your home life like? Do, are you, do you have good hygiene? Can you get adequate food? Are you living in a place that doesn't have a good water supply that's safe? You address those things, you're going to mitigate a lot of problems. I mean, you really will. I'm, I'm sorry, I, you, you just you just sing it. You're singing such a beautiful song, Doctor Tennan, to me. I just I just love listening to it. I, I, well, I tell you one more thing. You know that I think people don't appreciate as much that uh, people don't. Uh, you know, cleaning your fingers and hands. Oh my goodness, yes, is extremely extremely essential for your health. And today we are touching cell phones all the time. They think cell phone is just something they don't worry about. Cell phones, so many chemicals you are uh, putting on your fingertips from touching computers, cell phones, desk, papers, or pencils, all kinds of things, and then keep eating from the same hand. So basically, you know, if you drop a pen on the floor, you pick up that phone and put it there, and then from the same fingers you eat. So basically, you are licking floor. You know, and, and 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 this is so common today that you go and I when I give talks sometimes lunch and learn. You know, so I teach them what you're eating, learn about what you're eating, what is going in it, and today most of the problems are happening due to chemicals issues. People there are chemicals on the food, chemicals on the fruits, vegetables, chemicals on everything. Everything is chemicalized. So I sometimes call it chemicalitis is happening. <laughs> People are getting, you know, uh, inflammatory condition, chemicalitis. <laughs> Wherever it can, chemical can settle down, it's a chemicalitis, you know. Uh, whether it's a joint 
whether it's in heart, but you know, most of the diseases today we know are caused by a chemical reaction, a inflammatory pathology. And that is whether it's in arteries, coronary arteries today we know is caused by inflammatory pathology. Same thing in the stomach, same thing in the joint, arthritis. So you can, you can, you know, you just think about it. People are not paying attention. People need to pay attention to self-care. And for you, you are the most important thing. So you should take care of yourself first than anything else in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what people need to understand. They need to do self-care. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to yourself, your body's need. And body tells you all the time. You ignore. We all ignore. The body will tell, you know, I mean, just for example, you're eating meal, body, you will reach to a point, body will tell, hey, I'm, stomach is getting full now. But you keep ignoring. You say, okay, no, no, I like this, this dessert. This is so delicious. I have to have one more. <laughs> I do that all the time, more. like yeah. on a daily and basis. And then people, we all, we all do that. We all do that, you know, yeah. and that's what happens to our body. We... Uh, we are actually overburdening our body. You know, these people are walking with so much heavy weight and, and then blame the joints and then go to doctor and then they have joint replacement. You see, the basic problem is still not corrected, the overweight, which is still there. So those kind of things that we need to check it out, you know. It's mm-hmm. about time that we need to focus on ourselves and see what's happening to us mm-hmm. and what we need to do. You can do it. You have you have capability. You are able. You know what needs to be done, but you just have to pay attention to yourself and do self-care. Always mm-hmm. take care of yourself first than anyone else because you are the only person who knows who is the best, what is best for you. Yeah, and nobody will do anything uh, you know, more than what you can do it to yourself. That's, that's really good advice, um, especially... And one more thing I will tell the healthy, you know, a healthy individual is the best caretaker right. of others. So Absolutely. if you are not healthy, how are you going to take care of others? So you should be paying attention to yourself first. Awesome. Yeah, that's some really good advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, do you guys have any other questions or comments for Dr. Tendon? No, this has been really informative, as yeah. always. Thank you. Know. you. It so. has been a very pleasant experience. And thank you for asking me to be part of it. Rotations is the weekly podcast of all things medicine and science and is part of the Media and Medicine family of medical storytelling. The opinions and comments expressed on Rotations do not reflect the official or unofficial positions of Ohio University, the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine, or the Scripps College of Communications, Guests on rotations are interviewed in an unopposed fashion so that their ideas and opinions can be freely expressed. Rotations is hosted by Nisark Bakshi, produced by Todd Fredericks, audio engineered by Kyle Snyder, and edited by Brian Plough. Rotations is co-hosted by a league of champions of all things medical and a few people we pull off the street. Rotations is copyrighted, and while we welcome citations, tweets, Facebook likes, and other endorsements via word of mouth and social media, we reserve all rights to content. 
You may use Rotation's content under the provisions of Creative Commons, but you cannot alter or edit the content in any manner without express permission of the content creators, and you must cite Rotations as the source of any content derived from the podcast. We welcome any comments, and you can contact us by emailing us at rotationspodcast at gmail.com, tweeting us at rotationspcast, or by visiting mediaandmedicine.com slash rotations.